Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing on my words this morning, that through your Holy Spirit we may hear you and respond to you. Amen. I'd like to thank Steve for doing that reading this morning. Um, two reasons I'd like to thank him. Uh, the first is when I sent him an email asking, letting him know what it was, I put Luke 2 rather than Acts 2 by mistake. I'm very glad he spotted that. Thank you very much. And the second thing is all those long names he had to, and different nations he had to pronounce. And, um, and I'm, I thought he did it superbly. Um, but I, I have a method when I get to biblical names like that. Uh, particularly in the Old Testament. And what I've learned is pronunciation is not one of my gifts. And therefore, I've learned is if you say whatever you say boldly, then people tend to think, oh, that's the way you pronounce it. (laughs) It was Luther, I think, who said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly. So, um, uh, (laughs) I, I have to confess that once I was preaching from the Old Testament, and I can't remember the name of the, the, the Bible character that I referred to quite a lot, but someone came up to me afterwards and said, Eddie, that was so useful. I suddenly realised for 20 years I'd been pronouncing that name wrong. <laughs> so thank you. And, and, and while we're doing thanks, I'd like to also thank uh, all those who helped clean the church. We had a work party here yesterday. We had... Um, uh, Derek organising some, some of the, the, the men to go up to high places and, and clean up there. And so a big thank you to everyone who served in that way. Thank you very much. Well, last week we were looking at Jesus. Jesus resurrected and ascended. And now we move <coughs> to focus our thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And I would like to start by looking at our reading in Acts today in the context of two journeys. And the first is the disciples' journey. We've, we've followed through their journey as we've, uh, <coughs> over the last few months, of seeing how they were called by Jesus, they responded to Jesus. And as they were alongside Jesus, so Jesus taught them, he directed them, he guided them, he equipped them, equipped them. and they, they were feeling they were knowing Jesus. They weren't quite understanding, but they knew Jesus and they knew they could rely on Jesus. And then there came the time of the crucifixion, which despite all the preparation Jesus had tried to get across to them, despite his teaching, there wasn't that, that grass or quite what all this meant. And then we looked last week at their meetings with the risen Jesus and how they realised that Jesus was human but also he was God as well. And for them it must have been such a difficult journey uh, to, to try and grasp all this and, and try and know all this. And and, and what does that mean to them? Where does this go when Jesus, they see Jesus ascended? Where does this go? Well, if you remember last week, we, we left them, um, and I'll just go back to Luke chapter 24 to remind us where, where we left them 
Um, Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus says repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And now I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so we, we read that the disciples actually, because of that amazing experience of being close to the risen Jesus and knowing the risen Jesus and seeing the ascension, they actually go back with a real sense of worship. And, and so they go back with expectation that God will be at work. God will be at work. And so in the reading this morning, we find them together in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, awaiting the power that Jesus has promised, ready for their next stage of their journey with God. And it's the fact that it was the day of Pentecost that provides the context of the other journey I, I wanted to refer to. You have the disciples' journey finding their relationship with Christ, finding their relationship with God, trying to understand the meaning and the significance of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then having this promise of God's power within them, God working through them. And it's the day of Pentecost that is significant because I want to, through that, actually look at a parallel journey That was recorded in the Old Testament, the journey of the Israelites, God's people called out of Egypt. And we recall how they were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were people in bondage and slavery. And then God sends Moses and God finds a route out for them to release them from that bondage, to release them from that slavery. And and as he does so, so they have that time when they make the sacrifice of the lambs and mark the blood on the gateposts of their houses so they know they will be spared and they know they can go on that journey with God. And both the day of Pentecost and, and, and also the Passover, sorry, the Passover, the Passover is when they put blood on the, the gateposts. So both the Passover and Pentecost were festivals that celebrated the provision of harvest. And, of course, that was to that area of the world where they were. But to the Jewish nations, both Passover and Pentecost took on an entirely new meaning. Passover, the lamb sacrificed, Israelites released on their journey with God. So they pass through the Red Sea into the Sinai Desert. And 50 days after the Passover, they come to Mount Sinai, where Moses receives the law, the Ten Commandments. And I saw this expressed as, 
on that day, 50 days after Passover, which was Pentecost. That's the day that God gave the law and the Ten Commandments to his people. God giving to his redeemed people the way of life by which they must now carry out his purposes. And so we have that journey of God's chosen people with the significance of both Passover and Pentecost. And we have the significance of Christ's sacrifice, likewise so that we can come into that relationship with God and experience our own journey with God, leading to that time of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes in a special way to renew and refill. And that becomes, that becomes God teaching, directing his people. So we have a direct parallel there of the experience of God working through his chosen people in, in, through Exodus in the Old Testament and the parallel there of God coming, Jesus being the sacrifice and then at Pentecost, the time when God delivers his direction for his people and his direction of how he wants them to live. So we find that the disciples have been used to having Jesus alongside them and as they were used to having Jesus alongside them guiding, so now they will have the Holy Spirit guiding, directing, teaching, empowering them and working through them to fulfil God's purposes. And we find them gathered together in Jerusalem, expectant, but not sure what to expect. God's coming in power. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? Well, in Acts chapter 2, as Steve read, when the Spirit came, the Spirit came. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, they knew that this was not something they were doing in their own strength. They had that assurance that no doubt this was God at work in them. They were at that point God reliant and reliant on the Holy Spirit. And so we see how the Holy Spirit then guides them out and how this wonderful miracle of so many people from so many different nations, all Jews, were able to hear God speaking to them in their own tongue. So it wasn't just the disciples having this wonderful experience of God and God with them, but actually it was for a purpose. And the purpose goes right back to what Jesus has said. That the message of the gospel, God's message, will be made known to all nations. Now this was a start, but immediately they're equipped for doing God's will. And so Peter, when he stands up and explains it, so does everyone? No. But so the message of the gospel is preached, and so 
people have that opportunity to turn to God. And that becomes the birth of the Christian church with the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, which God is going to prosper and grow. But already you have people coming to God who are going back to other countries. So it's like the birth of this vision that Jesus has given that the gospel of Christ will be made known to all man. And that responsibility was the disciples. It's ours, but it's not done in our own strength. It's done through the work of the Holy Spirit, God's equipping for us. And as we read on throughout the book of Acts and the letters of the New Testaments, we see how the Holy Spirit works in and through the lives of those who turn to him. The wonderful equipping of the disciples. The wonderful healing. They're, they're being moved by God to move to places, the visions that they had, the visions that they saw, the visions that they followed, the power of Christ working through them, through the Holy Spirit, showing God's love, showing God's concern, and sharing the truth of God's gospel for them. So what is our response? How willing are we to be open to the Holy Spirit being involved with our lives? Guiding, teaching, equipping and empowering us. How much do we look to each day to do what we do in our own strength? How much do we acknowledge that we are now in a relationship with God as we accept God into our lives, as we accept what Christ has done for us? So in that relationship with God and through his Holy Spirit, we can be at work in power for him. Well, I want to highlight briefly three areas And it will be brief. Um, The first one is the Holy Spirit shapes us to reflect Jesus. As we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit shapes us to reflect Jesus. I just want to read to um, um, Galatians 5, 22, 23, which a lot of you will know, which is just a description of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is how we are being shaped to be like Jesus. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are the things we, we, through God's power, we look, we look to come into our own lives so we can express the love and the care and the concern of Jesus. And Galatians talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't talk about the fruits of the Spirit. It's not a menu. I think I'll have that one, that one, and that one. But actually... It's the complete deal, the completeness of all these things that were shown in Christ is something we should be aiming for, but not in our own strength, but through the strength of the Holy Spirit, seeing the Spirit of God work within us. The Holy Spirit shapes us to reflect Jesus. Second, the Holy Spirit, when we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals God's purposes and plans for us. And he reveals that in so many different ways through his word, the Bible. And as we come to the Bible, 
we, we pray, don't we, that God will reveal his word to us and bring it alive for us. Show us what the message is for us as individuals or as a body through his word. I, I love um, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, which is all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. So as we come to the scripture, if we come with that Holy Spirit and asking that through the Holy Spirit, God will speak to us, that God will show us things about our own lives, our own directions, what we're doing, so that we have that breath of God, that breath of God. And people talk about the Holy Spirit as being like the breath of God upon us. When Jesus, um, uh, in John, uh, records that when Jesus appears before the disciple, and he gives much more detail of the resurrected Jesus uh, being with the disciples than Luke does, He says, he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. He breathed his Spirit upon them. Yes, they they weren't yet there where they were being empowered in this new way by by the Holy Spirit, but God's Spirit was there and breathed upon them. And so as we come to God's Word, we have that breath, that breath of freshness, that breath of life, which opens up the Scriptures and makes it meaningful to us and talks to us. And Matthew gave us a lovely example of that. Um, early on without being prompted so that's, that's, that's good Matthew you, you can come again uh, <laughs> uh, so secondly it's not just through God's word that the Holy Spirit reveals God's purposes and plans for us it's through prayer it's through promptings it's through pictures it's through one another guiding us. And when people have a word for us or a picture for us, and um, th- there's that need to just pray through and say, God, Holy Spirit, is this speaking to me? What are you saying through this? Um, we have that lovely uh, vision or picture that Peter had, if you remember, uh, when, when he was seeing that the, the gospel and the message of Jesus uh, was for the Jewish people. And he didn't get it that God could include the Gentiles. And he's given that wonderful picture of the tablecloth coming down and containing all the different meats, some of which were unclean to the Jewish people. And, and, and the Lord said in that picture to Peter, eat, eat it all. And suddenly Peter realises that actually that the word of Jesus is for all nations, not just all Jewish nations, all nations. But it's a power of that picture that then prepares Peter for Cornelius, his servants, arriving immediately and turning to him. And because he's had that picture, he's prepared to go open to the fact that God, Holy Spirit, could work through them and not just through Jewish Christians. And God prepares in a way, and I've had a picture that was given to me. I have shared it in the past. I won't share it again this morning because... uh, some of people like to eat, uh, but, but a picture that was just given to me, and I didn't understand it at all. I didn't understand it, I prayed for it or whatever, and then just, just one month later, something happened in my life, which suddenly meant it, 
that, that picture was so meaningful and it sustained me for a very difficult time for two or three months. God works in so many different ways and we see it as we go through the Acts of the Apostles. We see it in the teaching and the things that Paul says in his epistles. We, we see this relationship with God with the Holy Spirit working through us so we can be effective for God. So finally... Holy Spirit shapes us to reflect Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals God's purpose and plans to us. And the Holy Spirit equips us. And we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same Lord at work. We're equipped. We're equipped with wisdom, with strength, with guidance, with spiritual gifts. But when we come to spiritual gifts, it's for the purposes of God. And so we, each of us is equipped in a different way according to what, what our purpose is for God. But if we're not open to the Holy Spirit working through us, if we're not open to to the, that fruit growing within us. If we're not open to exploring the word of God and listening to God, if we're not open to God giving us spiritual gifts when we need them at certain times, then we won't be effective for God in our Christian lives. And that relationship we have with God, God will be faithful, but we will not get the richness of living for God together. Galatians 5.25, I did read it and I'm going to just uh, say this one line again as the closing thought. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, both as individuals and as a body together, as his church. Let us keep in step with the Spirit.